This is The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you with a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit us at americanshieldroofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. Well, we're into week three and joined as always by Victoria Advocate Sports Editor Mike Foreman as well as sports reporter Jeremiah Sosa. I'm Sam Fowler and you know, Mike, it seems like everything kind of went back to normal last week. We saw some, we saw a little bit of a little bit of more of the same, you know, Shiner and Refurio both winning. And so just kind of, just kind of a, a humdrum week, if you will. And uh, we'll get right into, we'll get right into our week two recaps. And we're going to start it off with the game that was at Memorial Stadium on, on Friday. The deuce was loose, Jeremiah. Deuce Adams just, just overpowered. East in, in, in that game, and before we get to what you saw from that game, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and listen to a clip from head coach Roland Gonzalez after the loss. You know, it's tough. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the kid. You know, he's, he's a really good athlete, did a great job going out and performing tonight, and, uh, you know, we just didn't, we didn't do what we needed to do to stop him. You heard him. I mean, just didn't do what they needed to to stop Deuce Adams, and that was something you pointed out before that game. Just what did you see and what made it so tough for, for East to find a way to control Deuce? Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, Adams really had his way with the East defense. I mean, uh, I talked to to junior safety Nigel Prater, and he just said that, you know, the defense basically folded, that they had, you know, lapses in the defense, that there, there was miscommunication. So overall, it was just a – Poor performance, I guess you could say, from from East East defense. Um, Adams finished the finished the game with you know over 350 yards passing and you know about five touchdowns and you know that didn't even include the fourth quarter because because uh, they were ahead so, so much that um, the coaching staff took him out for the fourth quarter. But you know it was just a just a poor performance from from East defense um, and you know the offense they they did all right. Um, the first two quarters, they had about 14 points. Um, but, yeah, overall, it was just a very tough, tough game for, for the defense especially and, and the offense as well. Well, it was also just a just a tough Friday night for all Victoria ISD teams. Victoria West goes up to Leander Glenn, and they were run out of Bible Stadium, 35-3 loss. By the way, East loses 55-29 to to Nebraska's Canyon. But yeah, East uh, West just gets run out. DJ Duggar, the star running back of that wing T offense for Andrew Glenn, uh, 110 yards, two touchdowns. Glenn picked up 446 yards on the ground. They had two passing attempts, no completions. So all 446 come on the ground, and that's that's almost unacceptable from. A, a defensive perspective. I mean, you knew you know what Glenn's going to do, and 
and you know just unable to play the assignment football that's required to to stop that wing T offense and out west is going to turn its focus to Alice in in week 3 but Mike now we get to start talking about uh, a little bit more of the same shiner 47 nothing winners over over industrial when you hear that result just kind of what's the what's the first reaction that you see to that after shiner suffers that that tough loss to Hallettsville in week 1 well, my reaction is uh, I'm not totally surprised. Uh, Shiner, we knew Shiner was going to be a good team. Uh, I think week one was a little bit of a shocker, but uh, you saw uh, what happened. Shiner went back to work. They got focused up like they needed to be, and uh, they put on a, the kind of performance that people were expecting from them. So I, I wasn't really I was shocked at the margin of victory, but I wasn't surprised with the way Shiner played. That was the game I was at on on Friday night, and Shiner got it done. Like you said, they they just went back to work, and that was the thing. the The thing that struck me the most, and I think I told you, I think I texted you about it. I went and I was talking to both coaches in, in pregame, and you know. Head coach Daniel Bedeker, he was locked in. His team followed suit, and, and they did that. This is what Bedeker had to say. Well, it was definitely a confidence booster for our kids. You know, I so said we had a lot of questions even coming into this game. We did some really good things in practice, but we, the biggest thing was were they going to be able to carry it out to the game tonight? And and they absolutely did that and more. And it said great performance by every kid out here tonight. We saw a lot of kids being physical, a lot of kids playing faster, and that's what they were challenged to do last week because we told them we got we got to fix those things and and it's going to be up to them to come out on Friday night to fix it and they they exceeded the expectations. Big games by Dalton Brooks and Trace Bishop. I mean, everyone thinks about the Texas A&M commit, but trying to find some depth that's definitely one thing that that Shiner needs to do because last year you had Duncan Dalton in the backfield. Now you've got Trace who runs for 123 yards, two touchdowns in the win, including uh, more than half of his yards coming on one play, a 62-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. You know, that's got to be something really good for Shiner, and it's got to feel just great for them to, to get back after an atypical loss to open up the season. But then you look at what they did defensively. They – they just suffocated the Cobras, 145 yards of total offense for Craig Nairn's industrial team. And then, as well, they did not help themselves out. Nine penalties for 90 yards. That's that's not going to help you win a ball game against a back-to-back state champion. I'll tell you one thing that surprised me. Shiner gets that wins by that much. And, and while other teams who won in our area moved up in the state ranking, somehow they still fell to fourth, but... That's why that's why we don't get paid the big bucks. Mike, you you got to see a good one though with with Edna and Bay City. Edna prevails 27-21 in 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 just a kind of a sloppy game. Bay City uh giving giving up the turnovers and Edna, Edna doing just enough to to come out with the win at, at Memorial Stadium in Bay City. Right uh after talking to Edna coach Jimmy Mitchell uh after he watched the tape of the game, he felt a lot of the same things that he felt like uh, happened after the game, which uh, 
was his assessment was uh, they made a lot of uh, little mistakes, little mental mistakes. And combine that with Bay City's defense, which is vastly improved. Very good defense. I mean, considering the amount of turnovers that uh, Bay City had, for them to have been in the game like that is amazing. Uh, Bay City, uh, I think uh, there's some things they need to, to work on. Obviously, the key play in that game really was right before halftime, less than a minute left. Edna's backed up on its three-yard line, third and long. They throw a slant pass, and it goes 97 yards for a touchdown. Well, the defender came up on that, and, you know, I think uh, that's going to be a point of emphasis for Bay City this week. In that situation, you do not come up. You, you sit there and you wait. If he catches it, you tackle him. Big deal. So that's a learning experience for them. And for Edna, I think it was a good test because they didn't play their best, but they were still able to win. So they come out of there with a learning that they have to play better, but at the same time, they're they're good enough to win. So I think uh, both teams will benefit from this game. Next, we'll move on to Quero, who they're – I mean, we, we talked about, you know, Quero loses its head coach. They get Jared Fikach in, and then, you know, they had some key – they had some pieces uh, leave at, due to graduation last year, but this Quero team's not missing a beat. They come up with a 46-13 win over Navarro, and that helped them move into the top five. Zyler Jones, 140 yards rushing. Jason Varela, two touchdowns, 73 yards receiving. And you look at what this defense did. They've done what we have expected them to do, 184 yards. I mean, Mike, you this Quero team looks like it's ready to make another run. Yes, and as we talked about after last week, the, the defense is superb. And uh, this is impressive because Navarro, Navarro's kind of in a rebuilding year. We, we knew that they wouldn't be as good as last year. But Anytime you face a slot T offense, it's a challenge because you don't see it from week to week. And for them to hold Navarro to the amount of yardage it, it got is is impressive again. Um, uh, and the thing about Cuero is uh, their upside is incredible because I think they're only going to get better and better as the year goes on um, because they're still – I mean, that was the second game in the new offense. So um, as things start going on and they get more efficient on offense, that could be a pretty scary team. And then we go to, we go up the road to El Campo, Cuero's week one opponent. And I don't know if the, if the alarms are sounding just yet for, for the Ricebirds, but it seems like it's getting pretty close because – they fall 49-29 to 29 to Corpus Christi Miller. Ruben Owens, another good game, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Just another easy day at the office for the nation's number one running back. But here they are, 0-2. And, Mike, it's it's been since, well, probably before the first Bush administration that, that El Campo started the season 0-3. And they've got to go up against Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, who's sitting – uh, uh, coming off a win over Alice, and they and they look really good. You know, just 
how badly does El Campo need to pick up a win this week and just kind of get back on track? Well, uh, as you said, uh, they have not been 0-3 since 1985, and that took quite a bit of research to find that out. But uh, they knew coming into the season that uh, they had a tough non-district schedule with Cuero, Miller, and Veterans Memorial. Um, I think they understood that, you know, and then, of course, they have Warden after that. But the thing is, um, the thing about El Campo, I think the the main concern there is um, obviously, you know, they had turnovers and you can't do that. But I think the main concern is the defense. Uh, They have to figure out a way to stop people. Um, and, And, you know, the losing is one thing, but the main concern is, getting yourself prepared for district and getting ready. And to do that, they're going to have to play better defense to, to survive in that district. Um, you know, Stafford's a good team. They also, Bay City showed it was much improved. Needville looks better. So, um, and Brazosport's always explosive. So, uh, El Campo, I think what they'll look for in this game is uh, – some improvement on defense, and also obviously holding on to the ball. Then also across the area, we got it like like we talked about. I mean, Refugio thirty nine three winners over London, back to normal there, and we'll touch on we'll touch on the significance of that in a little bit. We got some some first wins for head coaches. You go up the road just a little bit past El Campo. And Alvin Dodson's Wharton team, 33-29 winners over Houston Worthing. That's the first win for Alvin Dodson. And also the it snaps a 22-game losing streak for the Tigers. And then also at Rice Consolidated, Brad Dumont gets the win, 28-7. to uh, The Raiders over Houston Cashmere. And so that's a big win for Dumont and, you know, the Dumont family, good friends of good friends of mine from my time covering his brother, Tab Dumont is the athletic director at Pleasanton. If he's listening, thank you for listening, Tab. But, you know, you, you see, some, you see a lot of, a lot of good results. Also Louise, 44, eight winners over Bloomington and but then Richmond Randall, 30 to 24 winners over Calhoun, you know, just kind of, for both of y'all, what stands out the most to y'all with some of these results in, in week two? Well, uh, I think um, Calhoun showed some improvement in that game uh, that uh, Randall scored in the fourth quarter to win that game. I think that's encouraging for Calhoun. They had a little better offense. Also, um, I think uh, the fact that uh, – Louise, I mean, uh, that was impressive. I mean, uh, they came off that they were hammered pretty good in week one. They bounced back. Uh, Bloomington, I guess, uh, dose of reality there. They're they're gonna have. We'll see now. You know, this is the challenge. You know, now the adversity comes. Let's see how Bloomington handles the adversity this week. Bloomington plays Pettis, and uh, you know, I'm curious to see. Uh, in past years, you know. It's fun, you know, we talk about this, how winning becomes habit, so does losing. And losing when something bad goes wrong, it's real easy to say, oh, here we go again. 
But uh, that's the danger there, and that's what they want to avoid, and they want to get back, you know, see if they can kind of put that behind them. And uh, what did you see, Jeremiah? Yeah, well, for me, kind of like the the big thing that I saw this week was, you know, obviously Wharton getting that that first win under under head coach Alvin Dotson. Um, I talked to him before the uh, prior to the season, and he was just saying how how he just saw like a different atmosphere around Wharton and their program, um, and you know, just him coming in as a as a, as a first year head coach there, um, you know, getting that win and snapping that twenty twenty two game losing streak is just big for for not only him but just everyone else around around the Warden program and, um, you know, just just a big win for, for him. Before we move on to our second segment, take t- we'll take time to pause and let you know you can send us any questions that you want via Facebook, Twitter, or email. As we're recording, there's a cricket in here. I'm not kidding. There's a, there's a cricket. That's the beauty of South Texas. Like I was saying, send us questions on Facebook uh, through our page, Advo Sports. Via Twitter, the handle at AdvoSports, or through email, sports at vigad.com. And we will make sure to answer the questions on air, read them out, see what you see what y'all have. Maybe y'all are at games that we can't get to. Ask us some questions, let us know, talk to us, and interact with us. Now we're gonna move on to our third segment of the day, which is Week three previews, and the first one we're going to get to, it's a 7.30 game at Memorial Stadium, and this preview is presented to you by White Trash Services. That's an awesome name. The Warriors, Victoria West, 0-2, going up against Alice 1-1. We've kind of talked about it, and this is this is a big game for West because they haven't gone 0-3 since 2011, the second year in existence for the school. And they're going to get to go up against a really good Alice team. You know, you look at a guy like Cutter Stewart. I mean, if he's healthy because he has he has kind of battled with injuries throughout the the young season. But before he got to Alice, he threw for over 8,000 yards. And he, rushed, he can rush the ball, too. He had 12 rushing touchdowns a year ago for Orange Grove. And now he's committed to HBU. Here's what head coach Courtney Boyce had to say about the Coyotes. Quarterback's got a really good arm. Uh, got receivers that do a great job running routes and make you know they can catch uh, real well. So they do a good job up front. I mean, Alice is a very, very solid uh, uh, team, and uh, you know we're gonna have to play our best game. I think that I think that kind of says it right there. They they definitely have to play their best game because. I mean, even though Alice lost 35 to nothing to Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, this is a team that that certainly has plenty of power and, and plenty of explosiveness if everything's going right. And plus, West, West, West has to start proving that that they can do well. I mean, Camden Rapper, five interceptions through through two games and, you know, a three-point showing against a three-point showing against Leander Glenn. They they have to find they have to find a way because we you you talked about it earlier. I mean, winning's a habit, so is losing. And if you're zero and three heading into the bye week before play uh, before district play, that's that's not a fun bye week. That's a tough week of practice. So then 
you look at it, it's it's going to be very, very tough for them, and it's going to be important that West gets this win, I think. Now we'll move on. Uh, Victoria East, across town. They're going to be on the road 7 p.m. Friday at Gregory Portland. And this is, Jeremiah, this is kind of an interesting game because, you know, first off, East and West have never been 0-3 to start the year in the same exact in the same season. And they're both staring they're both staring down tough matchups in week three. Gregory Portland, Brandon Redden, their quarterback, he got hurt in just a gnarly injury against uh, against Cal Allen in week one, and he's out for uh, pretty much most of the season according to the caller times down in Corpus Christi, but you know they they're still going to have a lot they're still going to have a lot to contend with with Dalvin Bats. Yeah, I mean Dalvin Bats had a monster game last week against uh, Corpus Christi Carroll. I think he had like a, about 181 rushing yards and four touchdowns. So you know last week for East it was trying to stop Deuce Adams in the passing game. This week it's going to be trying to stop uh, Dalvin Bats in the running game. Um, but you know, like you said, um, you know, Redden, Redden's out for a while, but, um, Gregory Portland has a sophomore quarterback, Reed Dooms, who last, last week he had about 140 passing yards. So, you know, they still have some talent at the quarterback position and, you know, obviously the, uh, the running back, they have bats. Um, but this is going to be, you know, the last tough game of the non-district schedule for, for East. Um, you know, uh, East head coach Roland Gonzalez wanted it to be tough for his team in, in these, in these first, uh, first non-district games. And, you know, it, it obviously has like the first, first two games they've lost. Um, and you know, this, this, this last game against Gregory Portland, it should be another, another test for, for Gonzalez and, you know, his defense and his offense, you know, try to, trying to get Jaden, um, Jaden Williams going, uh, before district play. I mean, last, last week he had about 140, 114 passing yards so you know Gonzalez is going to want to see more out of Williams you know Jacarian Giles had had another decent game um but really this offense they're gonna have to step up if if the defense continues to have its struggles um you know uh on the road against Gregory Portland now Mike you again Mike gets the Mike gets the awesome game with with two top 10 teams Refurio Traveling to Cowboy Memorial Stadium at 7.30 p.m. on Friday to take on Edna. And this is this is an interesting game because it's another test for both sides. You know, Edna trying trying to prove that they belong, especially as a top 10 team. And then you've got Refurio. Not only do they want to pick up their second win after, after losing to Hitchcock in week one, but it's a big game for Refurio for another reason. Head coach Jason Herring. Trying to go for win number two hundred as the Bobcats head coach, Mike. You went out and you caught up with Herring earlier this week. Here's what he had to say. Well, it, it's a blessing, Mike. I've uh, there's a lot of things that go into it: uh, the support, the kids, uh, the program, the school board, superintendent, principals. I mean, we've been super, super blessed. So. You know, whenever that that 200th win happens, I'm just going to make sure that I stay humble and that I, I give thanks where it, it, it's due because there's a lot more to this than just co-chairing. Our staff is incredible. 
and we've just been super blessed. Most of all, we got great kids that love football. Mike, to be that dominant for that long, especially at one one school, just what's what's that required from Coach Herring through his time with the Bobcats? Well, there are a lot of things that he spoke about. Some of them, one, obviously, the administration, the school board support, which they've had. Uh, they have good facilities. The The culture there, though, is um, was there in a way when Coach Herring got there. It's always been a winning program, and he's put his stamp on it. And uh, the kids work. I mean, uh, they do what's expected of them. There's no questioning. Uh, very little questioning, I should say. Um, they they know what the what the priorities are, and they take care of business. Uh, now, like he said, I mean, um, there are going to be your ups and downs. Although obviously, Refugio ups and downs are different than a lot of other places' ups and downs. But what's amazing, um, you know, the ninety percent winning percentage is incredible. But uh, also the fact that they've, uh, since Coach Herring has been there, they've been to the quarterfinals every year, at least the quarterfinals. That, you know, think about that because you look, uh, I was thinking about VISD teams. I mean, uh, Mark Reeve took Victoria High to the semifinals one year. I know Memorial and, um, and I believe Victoria... Victoria East went to the quarterfinals one year, and uh, back in the day when Mark Reeve was at uh, Victoria High, they may have gone to the quarterfinals a year or two. But what we're talking about three, four, five times in Refugio now has done it for, what, 15 years straight. That's incredible. Dominant. Yeah, and and okay, and here they are. They're turning around playing the Edna team, which is uh, this is the year that Edna has pointed to. you know, last year was kind of a uh, – I think it, we can expect a little different game this year. Uh, last year, Refiro was running a tempo offense, and uh, they were going – they were hurrying to the line, hurrying to the line. And I think basically what happened in that game is Edna wore down in the fourth quarter, and that's when Refiro uh, outscored him was like 17 or something, and that they that's how they won the game. But – this year, Refuro's not running that offense. As Coach Herring said, it's a great offense for your offense, but it's not so great for your defense because if you play a good team and you don't make first downs, you, boy, your defense is back on the field in about a minute. So the defense is not getting any rest, and I think that that's what factored into him changing. Um they're going to face an Edna team that is very, very big. It's huge on the front line. And that, to me, will be uh, the question mark for Refurio and Edna is how well Refurio can handle Edna's front. If, they're, if they have some success and they're able to move the ball a little bit against that line and put some plays together, then Refurio can win. Otherwise, uh, you know, Edna... Edna, and here's the thing, Edna is explosive itself. We saw that last week. I mean, 97-yard touchdown. They have big play capability just as well, but they can also pound you. Uh, last last week, they didn't uh, run Drayden Ashford, but maybe three, four times. This week, they may run him 20 times. You know, Edna can approach you in a lot of different ways. 
So uh, this is a very interesting matchup, and I think it's the kind of game where both teams will come out of it better afterwards. Yeah, and Edna's talked about wanting to do something like Industrial did last year where they, where they made that run to, to the regional final. And and in order to do that, you got to beat teams. I mean, Revere's a classification lower, but you got to beat the teams like that. And that's what Jimmy Mitchell has wanted to do ever since he took over. He's wanted this team to go up against that quality, see that quality, and compete against that compete with that quality and i think here we are we're starting to see that turnaround for the cowboys jeremiah you're gonna you're gonna get to go see an interesting game and the fact that it is one of the longest running rivalries in the state mike it was what 113 years yes this is the 113th game between uh, the dewitt county rivals Quero and yoko yeah, Mike said it. One hundred and thirteen years, and Jeremiah, just how cool, how exciting is that from your perspective to get to go out and experience something that's as steeped in tradition as that game? Yeah, you know, obviously, um, high school football is like a a big part of Texas, but you know, just to to be able to witness a game that has been going on for. Like Mike said, 113 years. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a sight to see. Um, I know. You know, it's, it's a game between two Dewitt County uh, schools. And last year, you know, Quero Quero got the win, 28 to 12. Um, but this year, I, I'm I'm not sure if it'll be, you know, that close. Just because, like like we were saying earlier, you know, Quero is a team that's right now they look like a title contender. Um, they're ranked number five in class class 4A Division two. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if if Yoakum can kind of kind of contend with with Quero. Um I know Quero they have a a, a big rushing game. Um I know the first game that Mike was at Quero versus El Campo, I think Quero had over 400 yards rushing. Um you know, this past game uh, uh Zyler Jones he had a big game about 140 yards. So, you know, for Yoakum to to keep this game close and keep keep it like a an interesting rivalry game, they're going to have to try to slow down the running game, whether it, you know, whether it's Tyson Williams who, who gets the majority of the carries or, or Zyler Jones, but yeah, it should be, should be a fun game. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, all the fans out there and kind of like the, the Texas high school football atmosphere that, that a game like this was going to bring. Mike, I mean, you've seen, you've seen plenty of games in this rivalry, just kind of what stands out to you heading into this, into this edition the most. Well, one thing I will say is uh, you can never count on anything because in this game, emotions run high. I mean, most of these kids uh, know each other very well. They grow up together a lot. They played together, played against each other. So, um, you know, Yoakum had won three straight games in this rivalry until last year when Quero beat them. So uh, Yoakum is a very young team, but uh, let's face it, Yoakum um, – is playing good competition, and I know Coach Bo Robinson does that for a reason. He's never shied away from that, and uh, he's always said, I'd, "I'll take a loss in uh, in August or September uh, rather than if it helps me in October and November." And I think that's uh, the way he's approaching this. They he said this team would be young, and uh, 
you know, he, he didn't shy away from scheduling tough opponents. And uh, the atmosphere is great. Just uh, Quero Yoakum is, is always a fun game. And, uh, you know, th- funny things have happened. Um, I've seen fumbles, last-minute field goals, craziness, just uh, things like that. Uh, so, um, you know, don't be surprised if, uh, if it happens again. And then lastly, we're going to get to the Flyers. St. Joseph going to travel to Houston Northland Christian, 7.30 p.m. on Friday. St. Joseph coming off a 46-22 loss to Lilling and talking to Kevin Allstrom, who's frequently out at St. Joseph for us. You know, he he brought up that the Flyers were just undersized against Luling. I mean, we we touched on it last week, this Luling team completely different than in the past where, you know, they had that long losing streak and now they're now they're starting to come back and now they're starting to play good football. So it was a good test and kinda like what you mentioned with, with Bo Robinson, not not necessarily a bad loss for the Flyers and and it's a good it's a good time to take it week two. And when it, when it doesn't count to district play, this is going to be the last non district game of the year for the Flyers, as they'll get, as they'll be off next week. But you look at this and talking to Kevin, they seem pretty evenly matched. I mean, Northland Northland Christian look looks kind of like they want to do a little bit of everything on the field, and just you know, how important is it heading into district play for St. Joe to still to still put out uh, to still put out a good game? Maybe not get a win. Maybe, uh, maybe keep it close and, and, and fight to the end. But how important is it for them to go out and compete for the entire 48 minutes? Well, it's very important. Um, they obviously want to take some momentum into their new district they're going into. Um, we, like you said, uh, and Kevin said, we don't know a whole lot about Northland Christian. We know they're two and O. I do know that their athletic director is, uh, is uh, Gil Gonzalez, who was the athletic director uh, at um, at Faith Academy here in Victoria. He left. This is his second year at Northland Christian. I'm sure that's why that game was scheduled. And his son, Elijah Gonzalez, is a wide receiver for that, that team. But the Flyers, um, you know, they want to continue. I think they're still continuing to kind of see what works. I mean, we know about Gage Barrera. He's been a large part of their offense. But, I, yeah, but I'm sure they'd like to, you know, they, they were over again over 100 yards passing last week. So I'm sure they want to get that offense going in more than one direction because if Gage Barrera, who's had been over 100 yards in both games, I mean, teams are going to obviously key on Gage. So you want to have some other areas you can go to. And, uh, I mean, um, it remains to be seen how difficult from top to bottom their district is. But we do know at the top, with Austin Regents and Hyde Park, that those two teams are very good. In fact, I believe Regents is the defending state champion. So, uh, yeah, they want to definitely have a good showing so they can get ready for district play. Next next game we're going to look to, we're, we're going to bounce all around. We've got We've got – some more rivalries and one of them, another one of the, those close bitter, friendly rivalries, just about five miles 
seems like five miles separating Kennedy and Carn City. The the Lions and the Badgers, they're gonna get to go at it this week. And you know, that's those are always fun and, and you you can just about throw out the stat sheets, you can throw anything out. It doesn't matter because it's a rivalry game and you know, you look at this game, Mike, you know, this is this is kind of what, what, what Alvarez wants for, for Kennedy. They want these high pressure situations and the same the same for Carn City. How important are these kinds of games for these teams, especially as they're trying to make runs in the playoffs? Well, it's like we talk about a rivalry game's extremely important. Um, you know, it's kind of like let me use an analogy of a Michigan Ohio State. I mean, how how long had Jim Harbaugh heard, "Why don't you beat Ohio State?" until they finally did it last year? Makes a huge difference because uh, you know they want you to be successful, but you have to beat your rival at some point. So uh, this is interesting because Sean Alvarez, like you talk about, when he came to Kennedy from Cuero, first thing he did was end the long losing streak, and then he kind of got to the point where he got in the playoffs. And then last year, uh, they beat uh, Carn City 18-13. to uh, At that point, uh, Kennedy had lost 18 of 20 to Carn City and had not beaten Carn City since 2012. Well, so they did it last year. And this year now, Donnie Zook over at uh, Carn City, who became the interim head coach last season and now is the head coach, he doesn't. He wants that streak to end, obviously, because I'm sure he heard about, well, he wasn't the head coach at the time, but I'm sure they heard about it from people in town. As you know, uh, I'm sure you uh, can tell us a little bit from some of the Pleasanton rivalries I'm sure you heard about it if they lost to somebody that the that people in town weren't too happy about. So uh, the, these are fun games. Uh, Carn City has pretty much, you know, had the upper hand in this rivalry, uh, leading 57-41 to four. But um, as we said, you know, in a rivalry game, strange things happen. And then, I mean, those aren't the only games in the area. I mean, uh, there's there's plenty of good football all throughout the crossroads. Mike, if you had to pick one, what's other than the ones we've mentioned, what's a game that really stands out to you in week three? Well, I'm curious to see uh, how Calhoun does this week. Um, I I think, uh, you know, they, they're used to success and obviously it's a rebuilding year, but I'm just curious to see how long it takes uh, Coach Whitaker to get that offense really going again. And uh, they showed signs last week, and uh, this week uh, I'm really curious to see if they can uh, get it turned around. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for Week 3, Episode 3 of The Grid, presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. Well, for... Mike Foreman, Jeremiah Sosa, I'm Sam Fowler, and this has been The Grid.